0: Hello, this is Talking Utter Slot, the slot card podcast, but this one's a little bit different. Normally we talk about what we've seen, what we've bought, what we've been playing with and the fun we have with toy cars, but this one's a little bit special and it takes the form of a conversation with a good friend of mine, Gareth Jecks, who over the years built up a huge collection of slot cars and then he got rid of them. He sold them all and kept literally a handful uh, because he had enough and I was fascinated about both the process of acquiring that collection and what it felt like once you got rid of it. So here's the first part of two. Hello, you are listening to Talking Utter Slot, the podcast that thinks playing with toy cars should be fun because you don't take it too seriously. Except, this episode we're talking about taking it quite seriously. Um... Gareth has uh, has rejoined me thank you um, last time we talked about organizing the big events uh, for the NSCC and the first slot rally GB this time I want to talk about your collection how you started it how big it got and crucially and this is why I think it's interesting for those of us who are still in the th- in the thrall is that the right use of the word in the thrall of collecting slot cards that you got rid of it all yeah. uh, uh, so um as a quick kind of headline how many how many cars did you have at the peak you're gonna
1: ask me this and i i, I honestly don't know and they, like i say there were there are two two parts to my collecting part and if i'm brutally honest with you i don't know how many cars either collection had but the first part when i was collecting all slot cars or all electric cars was definitely in excess of a 1,000, easily, probably knocking on two. I don't know. I really don't know. And the rally cars, when I collected the rally cars, it was, yeah, probably a th- knocking on a 1,000 as well, possibly more. I don't know. And that's actually part of the end story, if you like, because I <laughs> genuinely don't know how many I did have.
0: Um, okay, it- but... But you've got you had you had, I've had you went from you. Went for so let us through the magic of podcasting and sort of wibbly wobbly lines and woo, yep. roo, 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 back in time to yep. when you didn't yeah. have any of those and you sort of started. Are you sure? We just <laughs> so t- tell us how you started the collection, as it were. Well. Okay, so.
1: Those of you listen to the podcast before, I guess, like most people, you start collecting something because you think it's going to be fun or whatever. And likewise, you never think anybody else is doing it. I guess so that's that's just the way it was. Certainly pre-internet. And I started playing with slot cars because that's what I did to begin with when I was about, I would say, probably quite late. Certainly not as a kid because my mum and my dad was into model railways massively, a uh, big model railway fanatic, um, built you know, model railway scenes and all this kind of fabulous one up in the loft. Um And so I was not really into slot cars at all until we, I think I must have been about 15, 16, so quite late. Um And I kind of started work at, at a camera shop in Purley near South Croydon, that sort of way. And one of my good friends at the time had a better job and we both had disposable income and time on our hands. This is pre kind of, Proper girlfriends and all that, and beer, um, <laughs> and um, we we bought all these bits and pieces and jumble sales. I mean, again, some of the younger viewers they're like say, "What's a jumble sale?" Oh my God, it's, it, it, it's a thing, um, and I just bought up all these little slot cars and bits of track, as everybody does. A lot, all little scale electrics, obviously, um, and just had a few cars. I so probably had you know twenty cars, and we go down to the local scout hut that my mum had access to. And we'd build this enormous track in the Scout Hut. I mean, we're talking huge, huge, great single lane, massive, <laughs> lane, you know, booster cables, you name it, all of that. And then when we ran out of track, we popped a Toys R Us, buy the latest four-car F1 set, take all the track out, use all the track, carefully put it all back in. And then my mate would take it back on a Monday morning so say, oh, no, we don't want this anymore bit naughty, but there we go. I think it's going back a lot now, so I don't think they're going to come. I don't even know if Toys R Us are still going.
0: Anyway. No, they they went bust, probably because of people that like you take taking back. <laughs> probably, probably, yeah.
1: Anyway, so it was just playing with slot cars, and there was nothing more to it, really. But in the process of doing that, and again, you, you look back and you think, oh, how lucky was I? Some of the jumble sale finds were some odd bits and bobs. You know, you had your normal Porsche 911s, you had your uh red brm you know jelly mold type looking cars but then i got a bentley three and a half liter and i looked at it and thought blimey that's quite cool um and then because of that you think oh what other things are out there and of course invariably when you buy a set from a jumble sale, it's got the old brochures in them and you think oh this is great oh yeah i want that and of course it's of that area i think it was uh magnet traction and, you know, when they put titanium spark things on the bottom of the Formula One cars, all that kind of stuff. So it's quite exciting. And you start to look back and you think, oh, I really like that. I really like that. I really like that. So you kind of amass these things. But it just happens by accident. And you get this. I got all these cars. And like I say, 20 of them. But they were all pretty varied. And then, as young lads do, it kind of gets a bit competitive. So you think, right, I'm going to go and see what actually I can buy at the local model shop, which existed then. Mm-hmm. Um, off you go. And there, lo and behold, was a Electrics. I think I'm going to get this right. SRS2 mm. Renault 5 turbo, jelly mold thing. But I took this thing out of this box and there were different gears and there was a little spanner and I put it on the track and annihilated my mate's cars. And it was just like, <laughs> this is amazing sort of thing. And it was cool Sky electrics and I didn't know anything other, but I couldn't, it wasn't in the catalogs. And I thought, oh, that's a bit weird. So anyway, you carry on. So then it grew a uh, couple of years off later, proper job, a bit more disposable income, came back to it, bought a few more cars and stuff. And then you start getting into it a bit more seriously. So then just by chance, I remember I was out I was uh, on holiday uh, and working overseas. And this is at the infancy of the, of the website uh, and the internet and stuff. And I was just Googling around on my brother-in-law's computer because I didn't have one and came across Phil Smith's website and just couldn't believe the 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 amount of Skeletrics cars there were. Okay. And it's just like orange, but I thought, wow, this is amazing. So then I came across Adrian Norman's website. Again, this enormous lift. And I thought, oh, this is great. I am a collector. I am a hoarder. This is my
0: thing. That's what I'm <laughs> going to do. Fabulous. And um, I said we should suggest for those for the overseas listeners uh, who we've got a we've got a couple. Um, so uh, Phil Smith is uh, still a very active trader, um, and his his website probably his website probably hasn't changed to be honest in terms of the layout. Probably not. Um, uh, who you know travelled the length and breadth of the land, going to swap meets and fairs and and buying up collections. Uh, so he had a lot of stuff, still does. Uh, and Adrian was whether well, he was at that time, he worked at Skeletrics He worked for Hornby. He did at the time. He did. Right, okay. oh, no, he was at the. He was a member of the NSCC. Quite a senior. Uh, one
1: And then he went to Hornby. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm, one day I'll get him to come on the podcast and tell us what it's really like on the inside. Yeah. But I dig it. So just to explain, those two names were sort of fairly prominent figures in the, the slot car world in the UK.
1: Yeah. So anyway, I came across their websites and realised just how big it was, um, and started collecting slot cars because I enjoyed it. Um, and I, I mean, I don't know how many cars there are, but I take a wild guess. At that time, colour variations, all that kind of stuff, there were probably, I don't know, 4,000 electrics cars of different liveries, colours, countries of origin, shapes and sizes and all that kind of But I would say 4,000. Probably somebody would come back to me and say, no, there's 4,030
0: or whatever. But I don't, roughly sure, don't I, well, I, I know. That is a
1: fairly we... large but manageable potential number.
0: If I if I reach off uh, off camera for a moment and bring back uh, Adrian's previous oh, tome um. uh, uh, on the two, which is you know very full of, uh, of pictures of slot there's a lot. There's a um, lot. He he subsequently superseded this with a ten twelve volume. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, so, this it,
1: yeah. it as well because yes, there was a website, but you couldn't buy a book like. Well, there was an earlier book, not written by Adrian. I've forgotten what the guy's name was actually now. Roger Gillum.
0: Yeah, Gillum. Well done.
1: Yes, yeah. And again, so you get that, and you suddenly realise, oh, there's actually quite a lot of here to collect. But in terms of individual slot cars, actually, there's not that many. If you take, if you strip out all the colour variations and the different liveries and the different guide flags and wheels and all that stuff, actually, you're probably talking. 400, maybe three or 400 cars, if you look at it like that. So I thought, very achievable. That's what I'm going to do. Okay. So I did. Started collecting. Buying slot cars. uh, You know, swap meets, yes. NSCC, yes. Joined that. Member of the club and all that kind of stuff. Going to swap meets. Going to jumble sales and classified ads in newspapers and all that kind of stuff. And the collection grew. And grew. And grew because... When I say there's like say two or three hundred different types of car, when you start collecting, every collector out there knows that you can't just have one Porsche 911 in red, because there's a gold one and Roger Gillum, (laughs) was it Gillum?
0: Gillum? Gillum? I haven't got it to hand, but yeah, something. You
1: grade them as to how rare they were, so you look at it and think, oh, that one says it's three out of five being rare. I've only got a red one, and that's one, and that's boring. I'll have to get the gold one. Okay, I'm going to get the gold one. And then all oh, the gold one comes with a silver one as well. And that's equally, before you know it, you've got cabinets full of slot cars. So I had, I mean, I'm in my, my old slot car room now, which is full of something else, uh, not slot cars. Um, and I'm looking at the cabinets over on my left. And I know that when I lived in our first house, my wife and I bought our first house, it was quite a small two up, two down and the study had four cabinets and they're the same four cabinets that are over there. And I'm looking at that and thinking, well, how many cars are in there? Because that's how big the collection was. And it filled them. And when I say it filled them, originally when you first get them, each car is beautifully displayed slightly (laughs) at an angle. So you can see it all, looks lovely. And then you get another one, oh, I haven't got any space. So it goes flat and gets pushed up the back of the cabinet. And before you know it, they're too deep, stacked. And all you see is a sea of plastic and you think, they look quite nice when they're out, but in the cabinet, no, they don't look great. Anyway, so, and then we moved, got a bigger house and obviously I had a load of other cabinets made. So my room now is full of cabinets and the collection grew and grew and grew to the point where these cabinets ultimately were full, had no more space.
0: I remember it was quite a it was quite a feeling to walk into the middle of it. It was like a a real uh, Aladdin's cave, yeah. Yeah. And of course they were. And the thing is as
1: well, um, you know, God forbid all the collectors out there. I took them out of the boxes, so all my cars were displayed unboxed on glass shelves. Fine. A because they look better like that. B because it gave me some perverse sense of satisfaction unboxing them but also because I didn't have the space to keep them in their boxes. <laughs> the, boxes the boxes do take up in the loft.
0: The boxes take up. I, uh, I, just to quick, I feel when we moved to, uh, up to the Midlands, this was about 95, and because I had to move, and I didn't have anything like that, I mean, I not how many cars I had at the time, I don't know, 50. Uh, I decided I would burn all the boxes. So I remember standing, burning a whole load of uh, Skeletrics boxes uh, so I don't have much money. That the other anecdote do it. The, I remember one night at the club. so this is a bit of a diversion on bo, unboxing. Uh, I thought where, unboxing was, uh, unbo, was unboxing is but yeah, <laughs> but I remember coming to the club at Farnham, and I'd I'd been in Spain, and I'd got a two car set in a, which is basically just two normal cars in a, in their usual plastic cases with a a special cardboard wrap around it. Yeah, and they were both Spanish Formula One drivers, obviously. Um, and I was undoing this box, and you sort of stopped and looked and said, "You realise you are halving the value of that, aren't you?" And I went, "Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sort of toy cars, you know." Sorry. <laughs> so uh, I
1: was not quite that bad. When I was like, I unboxed yeah. them all. I did carefully unbox them all, which yeah. actually I'm thankful I did at the time because well, that comes back to haunt me later on. Anyway, so
0: yeah. Anyway, sorry. So keep. So so, so you were uh, you were buying long. still, but you were buying still buying old stuff as well as ordering. You were getting new stuff at the same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. The... So this
1: was. Predominantly, I would say 95% scale electric, um, not NSCC, oh no, sorry, not Ninko, not Fly, just scale electric because that's what I thought it was. But again, right from almost from day one, those SRS2 cars that, of course, they came in scale electric boxes, which I bought from the local toy shop. I just assumed it was all part of the same. Family, but obviously, we all know better that actually that was SCX or Spanish scale electrics. And again, you go to these. I remember going to, how do you remember? How do I remember this stuff? I was in Tenby in Wales again on a holiday, <laughs> went into a toy shop, and there were these scale electrics cars, branded scale electrics, in the boxes, and they were like 5.99 each, new. And the scale electrics car next to it was £12.99 or whatever it was. And they were the same car. They were BMW M threes I don't know how that stuff's just come back to me. It has just come back to me. I mean <laughs> no. But I remember there was a purple BMW M three, Scale Electrics in a box, five ninety nine. Next to it, different box, scale electrics, different logo, but still says twelve ninety nine. I thought I'm not having that one, I'm having that one. So I bought because you because they were cheaper. You... And then of course you realise, oh, different company. And then you see their range, you think, oh, even better. Still scale electrics, I'll collect that as well. So it grew and it grew and it grew. Um but like i say i ran out of space and then i moved had more space and the collection gets bigger. but this is the first turning point in my collection really because after a point it just got to the point that i was buying slot cars because version one was light red version two was dark red version three had six spoke wheels and uh one type of motor and they were getting very specific unusual primarily because i'd run out of collecting one of everything so then you sort of dial into the minutiae of color variations and different liveries and all that kind of stuff and of course the earlier cars you know this is before we even start talking about stuff that's made in south africa and mexico and france and spain and all that kind of stuff anyway so you end up buying this stuff and i did a lot Uh, we are talking a lot um and you realise, I don't like what I'm buying. So mm. I, I said to you pre-recording, um, when I'd reached that re- that sort of realisation that I was buying stuff I really wasn't liking anymore just because it happened to be a Skeletric slot car, but it was a single seater. I don't mind watching Formula One, but there's a lot of shit. Early uh, scale electric single seaters, <laughs> they really are. I can't even remember what they're called now, but I distinctly remember there was like a gold one with black stars on it, and oh, they were awful. I mean, they would you just look at them and thought oh, I think my daughter, my five-year-old daughter, could probably carve this out of a <laughs> banana. It looks better than this. But you kind of and you think, well, why have I hunted the internet or the <laughs> all these places to find this? Gold one with black stars on it because it's rare. Because Roger Gillum says it's rare, not many of them are made, but it's horrible. And so you buy it, you put it in the collection, you think, I'm not getting any pleasure out of that. Why am I not getting Well, I don't like single seaters. Right. Okay. So let's get rid of all of them. And he started, I thought, right. Well, what do I really like? And what I really mm. like and still do uh, is rallying, rally mm. cars. So it reached a sort of a pinnacle of Skeletrix collecting. And then it got to the point where I was buying stuff that I just didn't like anymore, which when you're a collector hoarder, it kind of goes by the by. And of course you, you fall, you go to a swap meet and there's all there and Phil Smith saying, Oh, Garrett, have you got this? No, I haven't got that. Of course. Then you bring it back. Shit. I have got it. And you know, you buy stuff doubles and all this kind of stuff and la la la. So I said, right, I'm getting rid of it all. I'm getting rid of everything that I don't like either the real car or whatever. And I said, right, I'm just going to collect slot rally cars. So, that was like a light bulb going off. But then, of course, I had to pack it all up again. (laughs) And so up to the loft, find Uh all the boxes, marry up the boxes with the cars, box them all up. How do I get rid of this? Well, luckily, that was, I think this came up, and I think Nick was talking about it last week, the James May
0: Brooklands. Yeah, uh, Yeah, the first big... Yeah, um,
1: a big event. Yeah. Um, mm. I took a, a swap table. I put the table there a couple of times. And I just had everything else on this table that wasn't what I liked. I wasn't a rally car, and it was all for sale. Now, you can probably imagine, a lot of the dealers came around in the morning and hoovered up all the nice stuff, and that's all fine.
0: Just how many How many cars are we talking about? What, what's, 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 um, roughly. 300, 400, maybe more. Yeah. Wow. You, you say
1: wow, but actually, you go to a swap meet, look at a dealer's table.
0: That's probably only yeah, a one that, table. That's a dealer, though. Like this is you. You were a private individual bringing your collection. So anyway, so just yeah. to get again mental. So you've got this table arrayed with three hundred odd cars.
1: Yeah, probably more. Actually, thinking about it, three hundred is not. It wasn't enough because I well, know because the next part of the story is I remember this guy. So yeah, so all the dealers came along, hoovered up all the good stuff before all the punters arrived, uh, or all the stuff they wanted. And then I had all this other stuff to. St- I mean, I, I had a fantastic day. It was quite an eye opener because you know I don't mind saying I didn't do too badly out of it. You know, I don't. Mm-hmm. I think, in honesty, like most collectors, you like to think, well, I took thousands of pounds, and I did, but it probably cost me thousands of pounds to buy it all. So I probably didn't make any money, but I felt quite good doing it because um, I do remember this guy turning up. We're talking about single seaters again. And he just came to the table and he said have you got any single-seaters? And I'd had <laughs> some of them put out, okay, because I knew nobody was really going to buy them, so I just put a few of them out. I said, yeah, I've got quite a few. Why? He said, oh, that's what I collect. I collect single-seaters, and I've just started. It's like, welcome. Hello, Let me hello, hello. Come around the back, sir. Uh, and he took away two whopping great big cardboard boxes full of all the single-seaters I had. And it was like happy days. I thought, fantastic. And I guess he was the opposite of me. He he loved single-seaters, and that's what he bought. Good for him. I didn't, yeah. and I got rid of it.
0: Yeah, he probably tells a story about, oh, I went along to this thing, and I was really lucky. There was this guy selling all this stuff. And, and they go, were really cheap. If, yeah, and it, and if, if, if that chap is listening, uh, get in touch. We'd love to know if you've still got them. Anyway, sorry. Like,
1: <laughs> so I got rid of all of it. Um, and obviously, you know, I kept a few bits and bobs that were were really nice or really expensive or whatever. But I basically I kept all the rally cars and I decided there and then that that's all I'd buy and all I'd collect. Um, and again, at the time, you know, you've only got to look at the Skeletrics catalogue. I mean, I haven't looked at one for years, but I'm guessing they, they still have a, a smattering of rally cars and all the way through all the decades they've been making them. They, they've always had a rally car of some flavour in the catalogue. And that's fine. And I could have have just said, right, I'm just going to collect Scalectrix rally cars and left it at that. And it probably would have been 200 cars in the collection, probably not quite as many as you might think. But, of course, I don't. And then, of course, at that time, Fly comes along, Linco comes along, SCX comes along. And you're exposed to lots of rally cars because most of those companies are Spanish. Mm. The Spanish love their rallying, probably... More than Formula One,
0: I guess. I'm not sure. At the time, yeah, you know, the time. The, and, uh, you know, Carlos Sainz Senior, yeah, was uh, was you know, motorcycling was the thing. Rallying was next and F1, and they didn't really care oh, about yeah. it. So until for, until Fernando Alonso came along, you could you could go to the Spanish Grand Prix and you know get in on the day without yeah. spending too much money. You know.
1: So obviously, they were making cars primarily for their home market. Um, and that was great for me because suddenly there were all these rally cars which I loved the look of, loved occasionally playing with. Deliveries, you know, were quite exciting. Uh, and I do get it. I mean, I remember talking to Phil Smith and he says, oh, I hate rally cars. They're just road cars with pretty pictures of them.
0: <laughs> and fair enough. He's he's not wrong. I can just, I can <laughs> just imagine him seeing that, actually. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
1: so, uh, so I collected rally cars and it was great. But obviously then... Because there are so many other manufacturers out there, your your research and your opportunities broaden massively. And so the collection again, primarily financed by this windfall of single-seater purchases, meant that I could go out and buy lots of rally cars. And I did. And I bought lots and slot rally cars um, and continued to do so for Many years. I'd probably say that collection. I can't remember when the James May thing was.
0: Do you remember what date, what year it was? I want, I want to see off the top of my head, two thousand eight, something like yeah, that. Maybe a bit later. Right. Yeah. So
1: yeah. what are we now, two thousand twenty-four. So I stopped collecting. I think five or six years. Yeah, five. Five years ago. Yeah. So quite a number of years. I just collected slot rally cars, and that's what fueled my passion for all these events that we talked about on the last podcast and all that kind of stuff, and. And that was great fun, really good, and I enjoyed it. And it, I met lots of nice people. We went slot rallying and created our own events and the championship and all that kind of stuff it was all good. Um, and at the time, obviously, I was doing all this stuff with the NSCC as well. I was chatting to all these manufacturers, and they'd quite frequently say, okay, what should we make next? And I would obviously say a rally car, clearly. Um, <laughs> and when they turned around and said, no, we're making this Formula 1 car, I go, Ooh boring, um, but you know he, he, you were, I was giving advice to them as to what to make and 9.9 9 times out of 10 they'd completely ignore it and you know I thought I was doing my best was there, to try and help was
0: there, any, was there anything that you'd like to take some credit for happening? Can you remember anything that you may have suggested that, they, that
1: uh, saw the light of day?
0: Uh, not, not to worry Probably not Quite depressingly,
1: probably not, actually. Um, I'm sure Steve from AEC might better shed some light, a little bit more on that. But as at the time, I was having a lot of conversations with Steve from AEC because he was the importer.
0: He's no no better known as Staff Slots. Staff Slots. Okay, sorry, Steve. I didn't know that. Staff
1: Slots, right, AEC before that. Uh, He was the distributor and importer for uh, Team Slot. SCX, uh, Avant slot, Avant. Lots of, Avant Slot, yeah. about five brands. And of course they were quite rally central or quite rally centric, did a lot of rally cars. And of course team slot at the time were quite low number manufacturers. They were quite, if you like quite quirky. Um, hmm. And again, I remember at the beginning of my slot rally collection, I made some chunky purchases of team slot cars because they were the only people making Audi Quattro's. Uh, hmm. The only people making all these cars. They were only the only people making half decent models of Mark One Ford Escorts and stuff like that. And I do say half decent with a pinch of salt. Because...
0: it's all it's all relative. I think. Yeah, I mean, people who have been who have come to the hobby more recently, we really are spoiled these days because the 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 detail and the correct the correctness, if that's the right word is phenomenal compared to what it was even yeah. 20 I mean, years you ago. Look yeah. at
1: a, you look at an early team slot and they were all hand resin cars, hand poured resin cars and they were
0: and, and they were they were caricatures. Let's yes, call it they, were, they were. caricatures. They were. Some of them yeah. were better than others, but some
1: of them were just bloody awful. But um, as you
0: see it was the only game in town for certain things, you know, and if, you know that's that was your choice. I mean, uh, measure of how not great they were. I mean, given that I was a six R four fanatic, huh. even I resisted their six R four because it it it, it, was it, resemb- it it less resembled it less resembled the six R four than my, back in my hand. But anyway, I mean,
1: it, it less resembled it the older it got as well because they tended to sort of slightly. Yeah, the, the, yeah. But, they but where
0: it's it's yeah. easy to Good yeah. case in uh-huh. point
1: six R four big collection. I mean, one of my sort of side collections was MGs. I used to love MGs. I had MGs. I rallied an MG, An MG was my first company car. I loved MGs, so I had a collection of MG slot cars as well with one cabinet. And, of course, the 6R4s, they were the only people you could get. So, typically, I had probably 20 team slot 6R4s, yeah? Wow. All of them, as you say, mildly rubbish. <laughs> but that's all you could get. And then, obviously, you compare that with like the, 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 the Scalextrics one, also, not great. Not really bad, but not great. And it wasn't a 6 4 well, really... it was a Metro with a
0: 6R4. splash on the it. bit stuck on it, yeah. yeah. I remember being very excited when in the catalogue, whatever year it was, 80s for 788, they showed what would have been a proper 6R4 model, uh, but it didn't get made, not for no. 20-odd years, was no. it, until they did no. the more recent yeah. one. Anyway, yeah.
1: so that's where I was. So lots and lots of different manufacturers, rally cars, Lots of it, and the whole, all the cabinets were laid out alphabetically. Audi was over there, and VW was was down there. So it went all the uh, way uh, around the room in alphabetical order. And I, when I started laying it out, I did leave sort of strategic gaps because, yeah. I did have a fairly good idea of what was going to come out. Um, huh. And you can imagine the Citroen cabinet was full.
0: Well, it would yeah would have started pretty much empty, and then just. Yeah. Thanks to Mr. Lube, And there was probably
1: yep. 30 Unsigned, yeah. citrons with his name on the side of it. Yep. Um, so that was all good, and I enjoyed it, um, and I loved collecting it. And But then it becomes quite perverse in some ways, and I don't mean in a sort of a, a legal way, but <laughs> you can you can find everything relatively easily. And actually, the only restriction on your collecting is how deep your pockets are mm-hmm. you know i know that if i said if i sent an email to all the uk and spanish and french slot car dealers now and say i have an unlimited budget you have six months to find me every single Citroen slot rally car ever made i'm pretty sure they'd all be on my desk within about three
0: weeks I'm sure they'd love to get the call these days. Yeah, you know uh, I mean, it's, I mean, yeah. not, it's not difficult. Um, well, that, I guess that's, but that's. Uh, I mean, this is where you touch into the psychology of like of the the pleasure of collecting. It's it's it's. But we all set our own boundaries. What is it I'm collecting? I mean, I believe you, know, Maurizio Ferrari, you know, one half of Slotter Yeah, he, he tells, I think he tells everybody well He does. He only collects six wheel six wheel Formula Formula One cars. Yeah. Now, you know he could probably have, but he's 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 picked something which has got a clear boundary, and he can enjoy that. And I think we all do that. I mean, I you know, when I I wouldn't say I was a collector. I like I, I like to think I buy things I like, um, but that you know, that's fine. If that's, was, your, if that's your yeah, that's your category. That's fine. But but what I was going to say, but when the die-cast stuff, when I was working for Toyota, and I was I would buy any old piece of shit that was coming out because yeah. it was a, and I remember like you know, I had a. I think it was a Mark IV Sleeker or something—the very blobby one, uh, not 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 pre the rally cars—and it was in sort of diarrhoea green, and it wasn't even a very good model. And I thought, why have I bought that? Yeah. <laughs> now I'm hopeful that when I come to sell it, of course, it's going to be the most valuable one in the collection because nobody will have bought it, and yeah. it'll be so. There's always that but element you... of when you,
1: but the collecting becomes easy slash too easy and so i'm quite lucky at the, you know certainly at that time i'm not boasting but i had income but, you know i could afford to buy this stuff uh, and also i was also very lucky in so much as because we had farnham slot car club going and i had this relationship with the manufacturers i had trade accounts so again it wasn't costing me the earth for these new models and that was good we had a club shop and that meant we could keep the prices down which was great and i would have. You know, my office, my secretary, and my PA, and receptionist used to be frustrated because huh? there'd be a small van <laughs> load of stuff arriving at the office. And she says, Is this for work? Nah, nah, slot car's fine. <laughs> to the point that they knew, they knew what it was as well. They had a vague, oh, is this the latest escort, guy? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, it's exciting, isn't it? No, it's not. <laughs> Get it out of the reception. Anyway, so, anyway, so the point is that it, it became quite easy. Um, and I remember a bit like your. Line green diecast that you're talking about. I remember getting really excited when I came across this company. I think they're in Mexico, or they might have been even Colombia somewhere. Christ knows how I found it, but they did um an Auto Union rally car, and I can't even remember what it was. It was like a really you know 1950s Auto Union type thing, pre Audi, uh, and it was like oh, brilliant, and it I emailed the guy and blah 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 and did a money transfer to mexico or wherever it was and sure enough two months later this box arrived with this auto union slot car and basically it was a palmer chassis with a jelly mold on the top and it was shocking but i knew it was shocking but perversely i'd found great pleasure in the fact that it was quite difficult to get for me because i didn't Mm -hmm. live in mexico and therefore the whole process of buying it finding it was great, and I found that exciting. So you kind of look at your cabinet and you think, oh, that's really good. It's shocking and shit, but actually I found (laughs) found a great deal of perverse pleasure in it because it was difficult to find, and I'm probably the only idiot in the UK that's got one.
0: The second and final part of this conversation with Gareth is available as a separate episode of Talking Utter Slot. You can find that on the YouTube channel or wherever you download your podcasts from.